Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So today's guest, Angela Flory, is a real estate investor uh, who got her start as a creative director in New York City and uh, through a lot of soul searching decided that real estate investing was was her path and uh, just got a great story. She's flipped a ton of homes and uh, she's really, you know, we just absolutely loved her interview for a lot of reasons. But one thing she shares with us is about how to be successful as a woman as she flips homes and deals with contractors and is in the throes of really the, you know, construction and building. And she gives this, this term, I'm not going to give it away right now, but she gives this term that is such an amazing visual to keep in your mind as you're trying to be, you know, graceful and kind, but also kind of sometimes put the hammer down and, and get your points across and make things happen. So I'm not going to give the term away, but it's a great term to take away from this episode so you as women we could be effective in sometimes this very male dominated industry so yeah that was my my biggest takeaway yeah but we're gonna start using that term so for the ladies that are listening to us you gotta listen to this one so you know what we're referring to that's right we're gonna start listening to that (laughs) and another thing that you know you guys all know i'm so passionate about construction and angela gave like really good golden nuggets for you to start winning the race of getting your rehab done before you even close on the property. So she mentioned exactly what you need to get done to be ahead of the game. So you cannot miss this. If you're rehabbing a property, if you're hiring a property management company to to do your, your work, if you're doing syndications and need to, you know, elevate the quality of the apartments, you got to listen to Angela. Okay. Enjoy. You ever feel like your vacation rental sits empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Hey guys, it's Liz. Before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that time is running out and you just have three weeks left to get your ticket to InvestorCon 2024, the number one premier conference for women in real estate. It's happening from June 2nd to 4th in Austin, Texas. To learn more and to get your ticket, go to investhercon.com today and use the code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. That's investhercon.com, promo code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. Welcome back, investors. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show, where we are on a mission, a big old mission to support women investors in this business, uh, taking on you know, financial freedom and doing it in a way that has, creates peace and joy and, and balance in their life. So that's an everyday, uh, everyday goal or everyday intention, I should say, right, Anjessa? Yeah, challenge, <laughs> an opportunity. Challenge, opportunity. <laughs> One of those things, one of those things. But we really appreciate all of you ladies listening and being part of our Invest Her community, whether it's a meetup, whether it's our Facebook group, whether it's just listening to this podcast. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, And if you do love our show, just a little sidebar, please, please leave us a a rating on iTunes. That would be so appreciative of us and just helping uh, promote uh, the good work that we're up to in trying to help women uh, globally. Absolutely. Angela, welcome to the show. So happy that you're here with us. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really looking forward to jumping into Angela's story and her path. Uh, love her story. I love all the ladies' story. But you know, I was really excited um, as I was reading your bio. Just you got a lot of neat, a lot of neat, uh, a little neat pathway to where you are today. 
So uh, before we go there, I did just want to share a little bit about um, something that happened recently that I wanted just to share with all of you, um, all of our investors listening, all of our listeners listening. So what happened, uh, <laughs> what happened right? <laughs> what doesn't happen, right? It's a daily right. occurrence. But I, um, so something that I did, you know, for many years is I've been being, I was, I was basically signing up for races, running races. I, I've done a triathlon. I've done a half Ironman. That was before kids, you know, I was no way, you know, how I'm doing that anytime soon. But I did, I did, you know, I do sign up for races and then I, you know, I run in them and, you know, go forth. So this past weekend I ran in a half marathon and that's kind of what I'm comfortable doing now, you know, training for one of my best friends and I, you know, do that together and we train and we, we run in these races and two days before my foot hurt because I was wearing old sneakers like a complete moron. I didn't change up my sneakers, which is a, you know, no, no for any runners out there listening and the other thing I did, my, my foot was like excruciating and my hip has been hurting, right? So you get past 40 and you're like, hold on, what, what am I, what's happening to my body? But anyway, I know past 40, I'm 41, but regardless, I am still past 40. So these two ailments were like really, I was really hurting on Friday and Saturday is the race. And, you know, I had the thought, you know, I'm not doing this to win. You know, is it going to be the worst thing, whether I do it or not? And, and then, you know, you go back in your head, right? And I'm like, no, I'm doing this. Even if I have to walk, even if I have to crawl, I'm doing this. It's the day before his Mother's Day and I'm doing this for myself. So, you know, when I finished it, my hip, you know, still hurts a little bit, but I persevered through it. So I tell you that story because we all need that extra sometimes inspiration, right? To get through something and, and just getting through it is the most important thing. Not winning, yes. not, you know, uh, having a, a home run all the time in all of our real estate deals, because some of them, we're not going to have home runs. Some of them, we might lose money. You know, they're tough. There's tough things out there, especially in investing. So my, my encouragement to all, all the women listening is to just get through it. Just, just show up, wow. get through it, and, um, and do your best. Because if you do those things, good things will happen, and it'll, it'll, it'll just kind of continue. And, my, and as I ran, my hip was feeling better, you know, in the yeah. moment. Well, I'm working on my five. Not 5K, five minutes. <laughs> Sorry. Remember I told you, every couple of everyone, you know, every, uh, every two miles, you got to add two more miles. To, but to- listen, I, I, I saw this quote somewhere because I don't know where or somebody wrote this. It said, I don't care how fast or how slow do you go, but you got to go. Yeah. You got to keep going. Yeah. And that applies for real estate, for anything that we do in life, right? Yeah. It doesn't really matter who we go, you know, I'll be happy as hell to cross the finish line. That's yeah. my goal. That's right. Yeah. And the irony of it is that my friend, so funny, she looked up our statistics for the last run we did together a year ago, and we ran two minutes faster this time look at so, you isn't that oh funny right? isn't that ironic like i was really i was in physically i was kind of hurting a little, you know but i just went through it so anyway I'm proud of you i should thank you i share that just because we all have stuff we're working through whether it's a physical ailment or an emotional ailment but we need to just move through it and and show up get it done and and good things will continually happen because we're making that step forward. So awesome. So without further ado, Miss Angela, we're so excited to have you. Uh, Angela, by the way, is also one of our meetup leaders in Long Island. Yes. So for, the, for the New York, New York region listening to this podcast, get out there. She's, she's running a phenomenal meetup out there. So uh, we're excited to attend as well in upcoming months. So, but without further ado, Angela, please share with us. We'd love to hear your story and you have a really, really awesome story. What propelled you to get involved in real estate investing? Um, thank you. Um, so I started in real estate, um, when I realized that I needed to become my own boss, I was, um, so I had, so I was born in Bogota, Colombia, and, uh, I always wanted to move to New York city to live this glamorous life. Uh, <laughs> you know, so like, you know, like the TV shows and all of that. And, um, a girl in Colombia, you know, it's a big dream. And so I prepared myself for um, a master's in design and technology at Parsons, which is like the best design school in the world. And it comes with a a hefty uh, price too. And I knew that. And so, um, and I pursued it and I, uh, I got in. And after I graduated, I, um, I started working for a, a big ad agency that sponsored my work visa. 
And that was another big accomplishment because when you are an international student and you graduate, you must return after one year, uh, after your OPT, which is the optional practical training um, ends. And, and so for me, my, my mission was get sponsored, get a kick-ass job and live in New York City. And I had done all of that and I was like, yay, I'm a winner. Like there's nothing better than this, I'm done. And I was wrong, obviously, you know, I was, <laughs> I was some years ago. Um, and so I started working for uh, this big agency and I love my boss, Linda. She's a phenomenal person. Um, learned a lot from her and I made some good friends that are still my friends today. And, um, and I was like, you know, there's something missing there and I couldn't quite put it together. I didn't know exactly what it was. And that was making me unhappy. And, and this, this other side that, you know, of my personality where um, I'm very creative and this was, a, this was a creative venture, you know, design and, and, and the city and everything. Uh, I was also put in a position of management, of managing mm. projects, managing clients, budgets. And I was like, you know, this isn't creative, this isn't fun. I wanna be in creative and no matter what I did, mm. I was always put in these positions of management. Mm. So I got promoted a couple of times and, and then I decided I needed to switch agencies. So I moved from a couple of agencies, big agencies, uh, traveled all over the United States. It was wonderful. Um, went to Mexico city to meet clients. And so, because I speak Spanish, you know, that was this other thing. It was great, but again, something missing, something that made me unhappy. And I, it wasn't obvious to me. And, but it created conflict in my life because when you're not happy, nothing else works, right? So yeah. I, I got married, uh, I had a child, my commute was two hours from Long Island into the city. Wow. I had to move out of Manhattan to move where I am right now. And so, all of, you know, everything was, was just like, oh my God, like, what am I gonna do? So I used to tell myself that I had this mission where I had come to the United States to pursue this career and, and I had to make it work. I had to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, so 10 years went by doing that. And one, one New Year's Eve um, with my father in Colombia, he was sick at the time, he was very sick. And he sat down and he, he, he said to me, look, Angela, I've been telling you for years to get into real estate. You'd be crazy not to do this. You have everything in front of you. Your husband is an architect. He was an architect, so I grew up with like uh, blueprints and mm. trucks and visiting the job sites. And he was a big, um, low-income, multifamily uh, developer. Wow! So yeah, so it was it was natural. And and my father and my husband were great friends too because of because of this this you know natural um, thing yeah. that they shared. And I was like, no, 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 no. My mission, again, right, the, the stubborn Angela, my mission is to be an artist and to be creative. And he's like, so what? So you did it and it made you happy uh, up to where it made you happy, but you're not happy and I need you to be happy because, you know, this is, it's one life. And we all knew that, that his illness was not, uh, he wasn't getting better. And, and I said, okay, I'm gonna listen because this is huge yeah. right so so we went back uh to the united states at the end of our holiday and uh and i said to phil my husband i said okay we're gonna do this seriously uh we're going to pursue this i don't know how and um and we had no idea how to do it uh, so i said the first step we need to take is i need to get my real estate license and he looked at me and he said, go for it. We'll pay for it. Doesn't matter. Weekends, nights, because we were both working full-time jobs. Yeah. Um, and I was still in my uh, agency position wow. because I, you know, I still had to pay my student loans. Sure. Which, yeah. you know, so, and it's huge, all this responsibility that comes mm -hmm. with running a family, having a mm -hmm. child, education, all of that. So I signed up for the class and two days before the class, they called me and they said, uh, the course is canceled because you are the only student that signed up for it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so what's the next step? And I felt crushed. I was like, there's so, so many things I need to accomplish in such a short time. And I said, okay, so all right. Then 
few days later, we saw an advertisement on TV. Uh, you know, one of those things that you also hear on the radio saying, hey, do you want to get in, um, uh, uh, do you want to get into real estate? And we said, you know what, why don't we go? It's at the Marriott, it's two hours, we'll give you a free digital camera for attending. And we're like, okay, let's go, let's do it. <laughs> camera, I'm in. <laughs> right, yeah, the camera is for me. <laughs> so we attended this two hour thing and we loved what we heard. Um, because when you think about like, I'm gonna get into real estate, well, I don't have any money and I don't have any experience and I'm too afraid, so I, I'm not gonna do it. And we said, no, you know what? We heard all these things and all these testimonials of people that were doing it, we can do it. I mean, we have all this experience and, and Phil has, he's an architect, he works for right. a large uh, general contracting company on Long Island. And so we felt like we could leverage all of that experience. And, and then they said, okay, so if you really want to learn, now you have to buy the three day um, weekend training. Yes, I heard all <laughs> And we said, you know what? Story right there. <laughs> right. And we said, you know what? Let's do it. And we paid it. It was like, I don't know, like $2,700. It was, a, I don't think it was a lot of money for what we took from it. Yeah. And, and we attended. And after those three days, everything changed for us. Mm. Like we, we had a vision of where we wanted to be. Mm-hmm but we didn't know how to get there. So we, we ended up hiring a coach and we thought that we were going to be wholesaling mm -hmm. in the beginning because we, we first we had full-time jobs or I had a full-time job at the time. Our commute, my commute was, was long. Um, we had a baby and we had bills. So we can't, I can't just quit and start a new company because it, it doesn't work that way. And wholesaling, was going to allow us to build that capital, right? To start like to buy our first property. And mm -hmm. we weren't really thinking about rentals at the time or buying whole properties. We were thinking about let's buy a house and make $20,000 and put that in the bank. And then let's, you know, let's, let's do the, let's do the same again, like wholesaling. And we started with the coach and it was, it was so great. And we realized that all this work that you're putting in, to find that one deal. So you're putting out 25 offers and of the 25, you get one accepted. That's kind of like the ratio, right? And you're doing all of this tremendous amount of work because wholesaling is not easy. And, um, and I was like, okay, so we're doing all of this and then we're letting somebody else, instead of making 10 or 20, we were actually like maybe hoping for 5,000 because we didn't know what we're doing. Um, we said, you know what, we're letting this other person, the investor, get 30, 40, 50,000 by flipping the house, remodeling and, uh, and flipping this house. And I said, you know what, why don't we do that? You're the architect, you're the construction manager, teach me how to do that. Mm -hmm. And let's leverage our network and let's do it. So with that change in our mindset, we found the deal. It was like, it was right in front of us. We, we, we managed to look at the numbers. We looked at our finances, how, how we were going to purchase this house, how much money we were going to put in it. We told our coach and he was excited. He was like, go for it. This is great. Um, and very supportive. And after that, when, after we bought this first house, uh, when I think about it, I could, I could probably do this with my eyes closed. It was right. such a, daunting thing in the beginning yes mm -hmm. and now it feels like oh that was like such an easy thing you yeah. know like wow you know it was like a four-week type of thing it wasn't a big rehab like the ones that we do now it was a very small project very conservative we were mm -hmm. so nervous and so excited um that at some point you think about um you say ignorance is bliss Yes, you really don't know <laughs> what's what is. happen. It is. I, you know, you were making such a great points. And I remember going through a very similar path as you. And, you know, we have this debate, this conversation among, you know, on the community about going and purchasing courses and hiring coaches. And I always say, it doesn't really matter if you pay one ninety nine or thirty thousand dollars. 
It, what matters what you do with it, what you do with it. And I always tell people, I rather pay to get the knowledge than, than pay for the mistakes. Because if I start paying for the mistake, you know, it's a choice. You know, there's no right or wrong here. It's, it's a choice. However, I do believe that having a coach, a mentor, a support system, and that's what we are looking to offer for, for the ladies that are on the Facebook community. Um, having that support saves you so much trouble and time. So when, when you look back and you look at the first deal that you bought, they're like, oh, I'm going to buy it with the eyes closed. For the ladies that are looking to get started, what, what do you think they should focus on? Can they... Is it, is it a good option to go for, for a coach or you, you think that that added, but your due diligence, your style, your criterias played also a very important, you know, was a very important factor on it? Well, um, I would say that getting a coach or getting a mentor, getting someone that knows how to do this, or at least someone that you respect that can guide you is huge. Um, we were fortunate that we had, or I had Phil, because that's 50% of the learning curve, exactly. right? the, the construction stuff and, um, and the management. And, and he does a lot of um, commercial work, which is very different. But because his work is so much bigger that, and my stuff is so small, then it was like, for him, it was like, oh, this is so easy. <laughs> yeah, right? right? But, uh, but I would say, so find someone that inspires you and that you respect and, 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 and offer something. So if you don't have money to pay for a class um, and you don't have the time because you work or something, offer something to someone and uh, offer to work for them for free on weekends or, or babysit for them. Like, I don't know, like do stuff that offer them something that will give you something in return. Something that's something that you need. Yeah. And, and today, even like five years ago, this wasn't available, but today there are so many meetups and uh, courses online and books and videos and things. And everybody is doing something they're putting them out there and you can learn from them. You don't have to pay $30,000. You don't have to have a degree or get your real estate license, which I never actually pursued that. I said, you know what? That's not for me. I don't really need it. I don't want it. Um, but sometimes, you know, you, that, that's the route you have to follow. And my advice would be take action. That's the first thing you have to do because that's what we did. And, and it was very scary. Um, when I, when I finally left, the um, my corporate job which it took me about a year um after that first flip um and my father passed away and i went to see him and i was supposed to be with them for about two months and as soon as i arrived a few days later he passed away and so i returned to the united states and phil was like so what are you going to do are you going to go back to work what's your plan and i said you know what i don't want to i don't want to go back to where i was because I owe this, this man everything that I am. Like he, he basically put us out there. He, he, he helped fund our first deal. Um, he was very supportive of this decision. So I feel like if I go back and uh, go back to this corporate job and try to do this on the side, it's not gonna work. Yeah. So I'm going to be a real estate investor 100% of the time. And that's my mindset. And I yeah. took action. That's, that's my advice. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, there's a lot of pieces in that. Um, so l let's go back to your first flip though. So your first, so you, you transitioned from, okay, I don't think I want to wholesale. I want to, I want to flip this. We're going to, we're going to do it. Um, tell us about what was most important and most helpful for you to learn during that experience. What did you learn that you know, you've taken through because now you've flipped a bunch of properties. So I'm curious, what was, uh, you know, your key lessons, right? The, the, the lessons that you keep with you even today. <laughs> right. So the biggest lesson was numbers are king. You can't or be. Queen. 
Oh, Queens, yes. Totally. <laughs> I'm such a dork. <laughs> Numbers are queen. So um, you can be emotional. Mm -hmm. You know, investing has nothing to do with emotion. It's a business and you have to treat it as such. So, you know, like I, I, I'm working with an investor now, um, helping her with her flip. And she keeps telling me, can we put another light here? And can we do this? And can we, and I'm like, look, this is a basic house. You're delivering the basics. Whoever buys it is going to be the person that, or the family that will live in that house for 20, 30 years and create all these memories. And they will add all of those things that you're talking about. But you have to, first of all, you have to look at your numbers. How much did you pay for this? And how much are you putting into this? And stay on course. Because if you overpay for the property, then you're not going to make any money. And, and why, what is the purpose of this? Like all this, this is a full-time job, first of all. It's not, this isn't, unless you, you hire, right. Unless you hire a construction manager, um, and you sit at your corporate job and you're just looking at progress reports, then that's, that's completely different. But because we're hands-on or I'm hands-on, uh, it's a full-time job for me. So, so treat it, uh, my, my, I think the biggest lesson from that first flip was treat it as a business and watch your numbers. Wow. It's so, it's so important, right? I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? And 500 of those women will be at InvestorCon 2024. It is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd to 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestorCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures, gain the knowledge and the skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with women who are playing at the same level. Time is running out, though. You just have three weeks left to get your ticket. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestorCon.com today and use the code 100 podcast to get a hundred dollars off your ticket. That's invest her H E R con.com promo code 100 podcast to get a hundred dollars off your ticket. So after all the rehabs that, that you have done now, uh, we all, all of us, we improve our systems. We, we change things. We create things. What is working for you now that you wish you had at that first rehab? Um, wow, that's a, that's a huge question because so many, so many things have happened and, and, and I, we've learned so many things um, since then. Uh, I, I think that processes are key. Mm. Um, you know, it's not, it's not just about creating your why because your why is in, it's inherent already. Like it's, it's there and that's your driver every day. Uh, but I think that, that creating a process where you, you get organized, you get responsible. And there's also this other component that, that you have to learn very quickly about taxes and bank accounts and attorneys and CPAs and all of this, the business aspect of it, like the administrative part of, of running a company, um, it takes time to learn and it, ta it absorbs your time as well. So I think like trying to be efficient with time uh, or time management, which is huge and creating a process for finding deals. So what happens when you find the deal? What are the steps and document those steps? And because every deal is different. And I feel like in our case, every deal got more complicated because we got more comfortable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah. So we would go out there and be like, okay, we're going to go the, the neighborhood over that we've known nothing about because I, you know, I feel like we can. And for the next deal, we're going to, we're going to spend $50,000 more. So we went from buying something for 160,000 to buying something for 295,000. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Yeah. Right. And it, it, it keeps you up at night and, mm-hmm. and, and it's cause everything is on the line. So, so I think, you know, creating this list of like what happens when you buy it, what happens before closing, what are the documents you have to bring to your closing uh, after closing, we typically, and because I have the architect in house <laughs> um, and he doesn't charge me much. Oh, that's um, great. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I am able to, so the day after closing, I am able to go to the towns and uh, request my building permit. Oh my gosh, people. That's so huge. That's huge. It saves so much time. Absolutely. You're almost 30 days ahead. Yeah. You're already winning before the race starts. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Right. So, and I, because I know I do my due diligence. I know what the town is going to request. I've also, before I, I actually put the offer in, I know that this property has an extension. It has expired permits. It doesn't have COs for this, for that, the pool, illegal sheds, missing decks, you know, whatever it is. And you factor all of that into your budget because that costs money. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, right. And so when you, yeah. when you go for the building permit and they say, oh, you, you, you have an expired uh, permit for an illegal uh, not for an illegal for, a, for an, an accessory apartment, which now makes the apartment illegal. So now you have to pay fines for letting the apartment ex- permit expire. And now you, you're paying a fine because it's illegal. And now you're going to pay another fee because you, the building permit now says that you're turning that accessory apartment into a master bedroom with a master mm-hmm. bath and so on. Yeah. So that's, you know, a thousand here, a thousand here, a thousand there. Um, and right. So that's your, that's part of your cost. So when you go to the, to the town to get your permit and you're ready, some towns like the, the town of Brookhaven on Long Island, I am able to get it the same day, uh, which is, it's, it's huge. Other towns, uh, will require a month or a month and a half. So you use the time wisely before you close when you're buying then you are those, you're 30 days ahead. You have your architect do your drawings, get them sealed. You get your plumber, your electrician, you got all your crew in there if you can, because sometimes you can't, you don't have access to the property. But if you can, then you get people in there and you start designing already and putting in your, your scope of work together. Oh my oh. gosh, Angela, I get excited <laughs> with all this stuff, you know, because we don't talk much about it. And I really get excited about shaving time, you know, and, and one thing following exactly what Angela is saying, guys, when I put the offer in a clause that I put on, on the, at the bottom is I need to have access to it. So does my architect electrician, HVAC guy, and plumber. That is like a a not, this is a deal breaker for me because what I'm trying to get is before closing, as Angela is saying, is all the ducks in a row. So I am good to go because if I'm going to close and then I'm going to have all those folks coming in, I am already behind. I'm already paying either my lender, my private lender, you know, the, the carrying costs are kicking in. And as Angela said, you know, all this like fees for this, for that, you gotta, you gotta consider that too. You know, HGTV is not going to break down, right? (laughs) It's never there. It's, but we all know, and believe me, all the good deals have tons of knots that needs to be untied. So when you see that the property has a lien or some something is off, illegal, don't look that as like a bad sign. I look that as an opportunity because I'm gonna deduct that from, from my offer and get that resolved. So, oh my gosh, like absolutely, that, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. You have to, you have to find um, properties that have problems. 
right? They don't, they don't just need love. They need a ton of love, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So don't be afraid. Uh, so for the new investors, like, don't be afraid if the property uh, has an illegal extension uh, addition or there's a missing CO for a pool. Like, all of these things you can make right. And the town will help you because the town is interested yes. in making them legal. And, and you must, right? You must make them legal to get your certificate of occupancy um, or your CO at the end so you can sell the house and then you get top dollar for it because look, look at all these things that you, all these wrongs that you write, write it or however you say it, right? So, so don't be afraid of that and don't be afraid of mold. Don't be afraid of, of like nastiness because that's where the money is. Yes, that's... <laughs> smelly more smelly it is guys I was like, oh that smells like cat no it smells like money <laughs> yeah absolutely and, angela something that um something that it comes up a lot i think especially in our investor community um and it's probably one of the big reasons that attracted and uh, and i to really wanting to be you know create this community and be part of this community is that you know when it comes to women investors there's 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 a lot of them And we've even had people say when we first started, uh, we said, oh, we're going to only interview women on our podcast. And people would say, excuse me, men would say, um, <laughs> do you think you'll have, a, you'll think you'll have enough? Do you think you might run around? You might run out yeah. eventually. Yeah. No, we haven't run out of women to interview. So just, just let everybody know we're, we're, we're good still. <laughs> But anyway, um, where was I going with what I was saying? My sidetrack mind. But where I was going with what I was saying is one of the big reasons that pulled us into creating this community and what we're so passionate about is that there are a lot of women investors, but when it comes to construction, mm. when it comes to finance, when it comes to some of these fields, uh, it's still male oriented. It's still male dominated. Um, men are great. There's a lot of great men out there. There's a lot of great contractors out there and there's a lot of not so great ones. <laughs> so I'm curious, how did you navigate the construction world? You came from this creative, uh, you know, creative, um, Uh, you know, corporate world, right? Your husband's an architect, which is awesome. You, you kind of grew up in the, in, the, in the kind of real estate realm, which is great. But now you step on to the, into the house, right? Now you're, you're managing subs. You're managing the day-to-day. -day, and we all know it's a day-to-day -day grind to get this property turned around. It's not like HDTV, okay? It just doesn't happen quickly. It's, it's a lot of pieces, not, not even just today. It's actually looking like you're saying forward, right? You're always looking two weeks, three weeks in advance, which I'm just as also amazing at. Um, so I'm curious, how did you navigate that? How did you navigate such, you know, an environment that um, I think women are still figuring out how to be taken seriously in that realm. And I think there's some women that are, which is awesome, but I'm curious, you didn't, have a ton of construction knowledge and now you're navigating that. How did, how did you do it? How did you move through it strongly and with grace and successfully? Right. So, um, <laughs> strong <laughs> grace, strong <laughs> grace. And, and what was the third one I said? That, that's not always successfully. <laughs> you seem like you can do that basis of what I know of you. So I'm curious, how did you do it? Thank you. Well, so, um, so, so, well, okay. So it hasn't been easy. Um, because they do expect a man to be there, right? So, so even realtors, when they stop by the property to, to see if they get the listing, they, and I open the door or I'm there, you know, they walk in and they see the, the, the crews working and they look at me and they say, where is the builder? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I am the builder. Oh, Okay. And there's like this awkward silence for like five seconds. Like, oh, hold on. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so hi. So, uh, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm also the owner. Oh, okay. So even worse. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, I just laugh at that and, uh, and it, you know what, it's, it's really like, what, what can they do? Right. The, yeah. This like this, this thing that it's there and I, I actually don't fight it where I do have to be, I basically apply this thing called velvet hammer. Um, so what is it? Velvet hammer. The velvet hammer. Yeah. So it's oh. basically- I like, I like the term already. <laughs> Hashtag velvet hammer. Hashtag vel velvet hammer. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically this, this idea that you, like you said, Liz, you come in with grace, 
and um, and very intelligently. You need something done, but you're also it. It also comes packed with a punch, right? Because it, it you need it done, and there's something that is causing trouble. There's something that some behavior or or lack of uh, communication or whatever it is that is causing something to not happen the way it should happen. Mm-hmm. And as a woman, right, and especially you know Colombian, a lot of these crews are Hispanic or whatever, and they come in and they're like, "Yo, like, you know, like we're like it's not that we're equal or we're not. It's that now we're best friends." And I'm like, "I can't be your friend. First of all, I just hired right. you to do a job for me." Yep. Right. So I use a velvet hammer approach where I am tough, but I'm also very graceful in my approach because I need this thing to get done. I can't mm-hmm. create conflict in the job site because they mm-hmm. won't respect me. Yeah. Right? So, and, and some of these crews know Phil from other projects, you know, from his network of people. And uh, I would be like, okay, so what's your phone number? I'm going to text you the requirements, you know, or text me back because I, I want your email, whatever. And then two days later, I'm like, this guy never texted me. And Phil would be like, oh, he texted me. Mm. Why? Right? So there's, so I have to, sometimes I have to like build a relationship first Mm -hmm. to overcome that stereotype. Mm -hmm. And then they start respecting me. And sometimes Phil, like he would, he would not hear from anybody. And he would be like, so what's going on with, uh, you know, whatever address. And I'd be like, no, you know, Mike was there. And he said, Mm -hmm. that. Oh, great. So do you need me? Do you need my help? Nope. I'm all good. <laughs> but you know, it took years it for me yeah. to, get, right? to get to that point. Yeah. And I, I love, I love that term because you're setting the right expectations. It, it's, it's a fine line and you, sometimes you need to, you know, be kind. The other days you, you, you know, firm. It is just like with anybody else, you know, I, I, it takes time to gain that trust. I remember uh, for the projects that that we did in Trenton list, I, I, I told Matt, I was like, man, at the beginning, you're going to get a lot of calls because that's how it is. So we're already planning on that. Right. Until people get used that there is another chief on the command, they, that's just normal to have it. And then I remember one guy that called him and said, she doesn't like me. And then I was like, oh my gosh, right? What made him feel that? And then Matt said to me, and that is so true. He's like, nope, you did nothing. And I told him, she's not there to be your friend, my friend. That's right. She's not there. She's, she's there to get the job done. And we're going to go all move forward, but she, if she told you, okay, what's going on here? This was supposed to be done a week ago and it's not, that doesn't mean that she doesn't like you. Yep. Right. Let's put that aside and get, get the job done. (laughs) Period. Angela, uh, on the, the Facebook community, one of the questions that we get very often, it's when somebody's hiring a contractor and then they say, should I just get an estimate for labor or labor and material. So that is just like the big elephant in the room, right? There's pros, there's cons. What are your thoughts? So um, this year we became um, licensed general contractors. Mm-hmm. Phil likes to say, say in short as well. So I say license <laughs> in short. Yes. <laughs> right? That's a huge component of it as well. Um, so when we became con- uh, licensed contractors, because people were asking us to do, uh, a friend of ours came last year and said, can you do our bathroom? And we're like, sure. And it was like a, like, you know, like a, an easy thing to do a project. And then we're like, Hey, there's this whole thing over Business. here. Yeah. People want right? reliable contractors. Right. That we can tap into. And so, and so the way that we operate is basically by providing construction management services. So we, we offer, so, and that's how you do your flips, right? Um, you, you're, you're basically acting as your own PM or your own construction manager. And then, and then you have your subs and you can see how much you're paying for material. You can see how much you're paying for labor and, uh, and you can control the, the expenses 
much closer that way. So when people ask that question, Andresa, like, like you're saying, it's my answer to that is we operate the way with clients, we operate the way that we operate our own flip. So we yeah. offer the same level of service if it was our own remodel, not just the flip, but you know, like some, it's not a flip with clients, it's a remodel or new investors or investors that want to be hands off completely uh, come to us and ask us to do their construction. Um, so we operate the same way. And that means that you can pay for the materials yourself, but your contractor gives you the list of materials because you're not an HVAC licensed person, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? You don't do sheetrock. Uh, you're not the painter, you're the construction manager. So you need that person, the expert the, of the trade that you're hiring to actually give you that list of things that they need or they put in the order and then you pay for it. You can call it in and pay for it and move on and get it delivered to the job site. Um, and you can triple bid the job as well, right? So you get the best price for the, for the project. And that means sometimes that you have to bid for quality. You have to bid for time. You have to bid for price. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's multiple types of remodels. When, when we talk about our flips, it's a very specific type of flip with, a, with an end buyer in mind, like we have a target client or target audience. When you're talking about in general, uh, there's so many things that you can do. So my, my answer to that is uh, get a quote for uh, the work where you can see the materials, how much the materials cost, not necessarily a, a 50 page list of nails and hammer, you know, like all these things that are needed, right? But you, you know how much you're paying for materials, you know how much you're paying for labor, and you know when you're paying it, and you create yeah. a payment schedule that works for you based on the larger scope of the project. And, and that's what a manager does. It guides the client through the entire operation and allows them to be part of the decision-making process because their, their pockets are the ones that are being affected by it, yeah. right? Now, if you want to go out and buy the materials yourself, you're going to, first of all, you're going to end up paying a lot more because you don't have the leverage that those guys have because they buy in bulk and you're just going to Home Depot in your SUV and thinking you're going to put sheetrock in the SUV and that doesn't happen. (laughs) Open Uh, the trunk. (laughs) Right. Uh, and then they have these tools that, you know, that, that, that they need and, and then delivery. Mm-hmm. Are you going to yeah. be there to, to bring in the doors? You have to hire a crew, which this guy already has. So there's certain things you have to absolutely let go of. Mm-hmm. Can be project police, control freak, uh, because it doesn't help anybody. Yeah. And allow them to do their job and make sure that they make enough um, on the job so that they finish the job for you and everybody's satisfied and, and, and the project is successful. I, I think that you're saying you're saying a lot of great pieces there, and I, I have to just say that how much I love the velvet hammer point a couple points ago. So I just love that. Um, and but but going back to what you're saying right now, I don't think people realize how much project management is a is needed in real estate investing. I don't think it gets discussed enough. I don't think it gets focused on enough. And and quite honestly. I think when people think of real estate investing from the outside, they see it as more of a glamorous, visionary, you know, taking walls down and making it look really pretty and nice. And, and that is, is one part of, of the process. But really, when, it, when the rubber meets the road, you know, I think about like what really makes someone successful in this business. And not that I have all the answers, but just, you know, being in the business for quite some time. Project management, actually, the detail of managing projects to start to finish is probably one of the most important skills someone on your team needs to have, whether you have it or don't. But I just think what you're saying is so, so, so important. And people don't really know that or even get how important that is. Yeah. I wanted to say that. No, absolutely. I I completely agree with you. And it's it's huge. And and I think that part of the, the 10 years that I worked in corporate jobs, um, 
they help me even though you don't sometimes you don't see it because when you don't like where you are in life you don't appreciate what you have sure um but later uh those skills that i acquired during those 10 years are the skills that i that actually help me today yeah to run my business mm-hmm. um and um and if i didn't have that you know i i don't know where i would be yeah and, and i started as a project manager um and it wasn't glad for me i didn't i didn't think it was glamorous i was like oh my god really but um but you know i i made the best of it and i learned so much that at the end i was like wow this is absolutely great right and without it and that in the communication that comes with project management is so huge that even today like most of my communication with my crew is over text message is the most effective i can't call them because they won't answer the phone because they're working and they don't want to be interrupted and i'm glued to my phone most of the time so uh you ask me you need something from me you text me and i text back immediately and that communication is part of project management whether it's obvious or not it's part of managing effectively a project and being able to first of all people being accessible is huge because you're not in the job site all the time uh you don't have to be and you have to trust them yeah. but being able to respond uh and communicate well is super important i couldn't yeah. agree more with that absolutely absolutely <laughs> you always see that also like following what you're saying liz for project management we're not talking guys and girls about um only flips we're talking Everything. like apartment complexes for example and everything else around everything. it because you you've got to have that person on your team and you got to be a, a plan quote unquote expense for you you got to take that in consideration because uh, that person is going to drive from a to b it's going to be your main point of contact so yeah. i couldn't agree with that anymore and, and and angela you work with your husband you know, you, um, and it start, sounded like it started that way. And I know he has also some, you know, full-time work, but he's working with you. And so how, how do you navigate all that? And you work successfully together. And that's, a, you know, that's a fun topic for me too, because I, I love talking about investing and working with your spouse, because it's always like, you tell people, they're like, what? You work together? That's crazy. I could never work with that. But, um, so how, how have you been able to navigate that with your husband? How have you been able to navigate that so you have both a healthy marriage and a thriving business? Right. So it's not easy. Um, it requires a lot of, of, of work and patience and love, just like a marriage, even if we didn't work together, um, that would also apply. But um, I think that um, our personalities are are very similar and they're very different in different aspects, right? So we respect each other um, in that way. And we, we've been able to work well together because we don't, we don't get stuck in the little details, right? Like let's, for example, like, uh, you know, like we're, we're going to design this layout and I respect that he's an architect, but he also respects my opinion. So we would go out there and look at the place and he'd be like, okay, so here's what I'm thinking. And I say, well, here's what I'm thinking. And all of a sudden it's, it's just, we collaborate together because we respect each other. Uh, and it comes from a place of, of affection and respect. And uh, I don't know how else to put it. It's, it's almost as if um, uh, he lets me be the architect of, of the project, even though he, he, he knows I'm not. And I let him be the manager, even though he's really not there managing a hundred percent. Right. Um, we, we do have internal meetings, uh, where we will, we sit and just focus on, uh, what's going on, mm-hmm. the, the things we've done, right. The things we've done wrong. Um, in the beginning, I'll admit that, uh, when he would give me feedback, uh, sometimes I was like, but you can't tell me I'm your wife. And, <laughs> right. And he'd be like, but no, but this is, you're not my wife right now. You are the manager. And I'm telling you, <laughs> right. Uh, and so, and so I had to learn his tone mm. because there is a certain tone that, that he uses that it's work tone. 
where I was using that tone and he was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I got it. No problem. Yeah, sure. I'll get it done. And wow. I think like, so, so I learned a lot from him in that way where I was able to separate the husband from the business partner mm-hmm. and not get upset about it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I learned that very quickly because once he first saw it happen, he was like, no, 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 no. This is, this is work. And this is how I talk to you when we're working. And I said, okay, good. We're cool. So we were able to pass, uh, to get that past us uh, very, very easily. Um, and, I, and I guess the other thing that we, that we do well is separate the work from the home. And Alec, we, ha- we only have one child. Um, and since our, we have a, a home office in our home, and I'm constantly working, and it feels like I never stop, but I feel like at this point in, in my life, it's my job is me and I am a real estate investor. And so it's kind of like, I don't feel like it's a job anymore. It's like, it's, this is who I am. So I'm constantly mm-hmm. talking about it. I'm constantly doing things about it. Uh, but when we are not doing it and I leave the room and I close the door and I go into the kitchen or the other side of the house, then it's, it's over and we're able to completely detach ourselves from it. That is huge. But other stuff. That's huge. And I think it's him. I think it's more um, because he deals with a lot of uh, bigger projects and I think he's able to switch easily. Mm. Uh, and he taught me that. So I, so I picked that up very quickly and I said, you know what? We've never done this before. And, and this is working out well mm-hmm. where we're showing each other how to stop, how mm-hmm. to not get mm-hmm. One side involved into the other, and and I think we're very lucky. And I, you know, I I hope that everybody that works with their spouse can do the same. But I think that's huge. I mean, because it's like you know, we used to have rooms that were like off limits of talking at work. We had like, okay, you can't, you could talk in the kitchen. But you can't talk in this room, and then that that whole weirdness didn't work. Oh, you're like I forgot. What is it? What is yeah. it? Yeah, were times of the day. We tried a lot of things early on. We we've been through the, the, the whole wackiness. But but you're right in that the separation is critical, and you need to be able to talk about other things with your spouse. And and if and if all you're doing, your work becomes and consumes you, yeah. then it's really tough, right? Because then there's no. You know, my husband and I love a couple of shows. So we get into shows together. Like I don't have like, I don't watch a ton of TV, nor does he, but we have a few shows on Netflix that are our shows. So the other day, I, I, of course, we watch a show and I fall asleep. Usually is how it goes. But regardless, I'm like, I think I missed some of the episode. So for like the next 15 minutes, I tell you not, my husband gave me the most detailed description of what happened in the episode. Now, for most people, it's like, dude, we got to move on here. We have other important things to talk about. But for me and my husband, I'm like, I love how you just described the episode for 15 minutes because that is really, really healthy for us, quite honestly. Because if not, we'd be talking about the 95 other things that have to do with our business. But instead, he spends like 15 minutes on the, you know, the, the, the latest Ozark episode that we love together. So my point is that, whatever you talk about, I love that because you're able to separate and have this other side of your relationship that has nothing to do with your business. And yeah. it's so important, so important, whether it's shows or whatever, besides your kids too, because that could be, feel like work. Another chapter. Yeah, but um, that's good stuff. Well, that's awesome that you've, you've navigated that because it's not easy to do. So good for you. And, you know, <laughs> and it sounds like it's progressing, you know, that's great. Um, Angela, there's, there's probably so many other things we could talk about. We've got to have you back on and you're, you know, part of our community and you're just a real valued member of our community. So we appreciate you. Um, but before we get to the, to the fabulous three questions that we have, um, where can the ladies listening learn more about you, learn more about your business, uh, learn more about the, you know, all the things you're up to. So they can, um, go to our website. It's, uh, grandcentralrealestate.com. Um, I'm also on social media in the investor community on Facebook. Um, they can find me there. I, I love to answer questions. Um, so if I have time, um, sometimes I find myself in the job site and I'm waiting for somebody and I sit there with my phone cause I'm glued to my phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I use the time to do that and, um, and I'm always open. Like I give my phone number to people. I'm not going to give my phone number now, but I, but I do, I am accessible, um, to people and I love uh, sharing what I know and, and help others. 
That's great. You can find Angela on our Facebook community. She's a great supporter. And we're so grateful to have you there, Angela. Thank mm -hmm. you. So for the fabulous three questions, let's do that. <laughs> the first question is, what's the most transformational book you have ever read? Uh, this is going to be super cliche, uh, but for me, it's Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Uh, my father gave it to me when I was 18 wow. and that's I didn't, awesome. that's, I know it's, it's so awesome. <laughs> uh, he was, he was just a huge, huge uh, person in my life. Um, but I didn't appreciate the book until I moved to New York in my early thirties or late twenties. Um, just because, you know, it's, that's just the way life works. Mm -hmm. um, and now that I, that I know the book, it's like every single piece of advice, it's like I could hear his words. My father telling me, wow. you know, look at the power of suggestion. Just, just keep thinking about yourself. Tell yourself that you're successful. Tell yourself. Like, so I have this thing in the mornings where I wake up and I say, um, I am always in the right place at the right time. And I say it three times mm. and then I, you know, and then I move on and I do, I do whatever. And it, it happens that you are there at the right place at the right time and things happen. Right. So, uh, so that's huge. So that's, that's my, my book. That's great. The second question is what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life? So I am, um, for me, time management is huge um, because there isn't enough hours in the day to accomplish everything. So I like to give my time to people, uh, but I also like them to respect my time as well. So I, I appreciate when people, uh, instead of placing a phone call for a small question, they text me. Yeah, because everybody's busy, right? And I do the same. So, um, or you don't have to call me five times. You can you can text me five times, which is you know a lot more efficient. Uh, or a meeting in person can be done over the phone, right? So, so that's that's huge. And 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 on that same note, I think that I do the same with my family. If um if, if we're doing something, then that's what we're doing, and we're fully committed. And um, I've never been. Uh, lukewarm in the middle type of person like I'm always either black or white but I, I'm never gray and the people that know me know that about me so if you want me I'm there for you but then I have to move on and I'm there for that other thing that I have to do <laughs> yes so time management is, is is the answer and I and I think you know one little thing that I would add is action mm. like because because this business is about how much you put into it right so if I if I work a lot, then I will produce a lot. If I, if I go and take three hour naps every afternoon, then, you know, that will reflect on, on my work and my results. So that action will allow me to get that balance in life that, you know, that I'm looking for. That's it. The last question is which women famous or not has inspired you the most? So I'm going to say that my first boss uh, at that, the first big agency that I worked for, uh, Linda Harden, she is fabulous. She's, she's a tremendous professional. She's actually the one that taught me the concept of velvet hammer. <laughs> and, she trademarked uh, that. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And uh, she would walk in, the, in a conference room or something when we would be, and she would look at me and say, remember, velvet hammer. And I'd be like, okay, like I knew exactly what she meant. And I've carried that with me forever in every single project that I do, whether it was in advertising or in, in real estate, in my family, like it's how you ask for things that you need or how, how, how do you communicate difficult uh, criticism as well. Mm. Right? This isn't about like, telling somebody, Hey, I need that done. Or, Hey, you're not showing up on time. What's up with you? It's how do you position that to work for you? Yeah. Maintaining your grace. Right. And that's exactly, that's huge. And, uh, and I also like her, um, or I admire her because, uh, she, I learned a lot about myself while I was working for her. And one of the biggest takeaways 
from that experience is learning to look for the qualities of that person. Like what is that person good at and focus on that. So if you're working with someone who communicates poorly, right? So you can't get upset about that. You can't like have a breakdown and, you know, like call Phil and be like, oh my God, this guy. No, like you, you can't operate that way. You have to focus on the good that this person can do for the project and try to help them overcome that other thing that is lacking. Um, and then you'll keep your sanity. The project works a lot better. Um, and if that person is not good at communicating, then that person is very good at some other things and then use that to, to help you. Um, and so, so those are the things that, that, uh, you know, that I, that I learned from her that have stayed with me forever. And that's why, um, she inspires me. I admire her a lot. Great. That's great. That's great. Well, Angela, thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks for, you know, making time to, to connect with us and share all your words of wisdom and your, you know, your, your journey here and your journey continues. So, so thank you for being here with us and thank you for sharing with all the uh, great, great women listening. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. It was a, a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And we're going to carry on with uh, Velvet Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> awesome. Great. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.